What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots Podcast here. I am your host, Mike Hernishan, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Devin the Verified Jackson. Uh, he's in a very good mood right now. We are recording here on Tuesday. Uh, there was a game of some sort yesterday on Monday that Devin had some stakes in. Um, he's still kind of coming down off the excitement, so uh, Devin, take it away. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. That's all I got to say. That's it. That's it. There is a certain song that I know Devin has been listening to all day. Uh, I won't mention any lyrics. I won't title it. You can Google it. Um, (laughs) So, yes, yesterday was the national title, and I'm going to be totally honest, guys. It was kind of a dead week in terms of news for the Big Ten Conference. So, Devin and I really aren't going to talk too, too much about the conference. We're going to break down the little bit of news. There was uh, a couple of draft declarations, a transfer here, a transfer there. Um, Nothing too, too important. And then we're just going to talk about the national title game because, of course, we're a football podcast. Of course we're going to want to talk about the national title game. Um, But before we get into any of that, we haven't had it in a few weeks. Uh, There's definitely worthy of one this week. We're bringing back Mike's rant. All right. So yesterday, of course, national title game, 8 p.m. kickoff. I didn't get home till like 7, 7.30. It was a really late night for me. I uh, decided, you know what? I want to spend a little bit of time with my family. I'm going to record the start of the game. And then when I'm the only one up, I'm just going to watch the game. And I'll probably catch up live and I'll be fine. And then I can tweet, and, you know, I turn my phone off and everything, because I didn't want any spoilers. I'm, I'm, like, especially with big stakes games, I don't want no spoilers. So I turn my phone off, and I'm the only one up, and I, you know, click on the game. And for whatever reason, I ended up somehow recording the ESPN Field Pass version of the game. And I'll tell you, Devin, it was one of the worst things I've ever experienced in my entire life. For those of you who don't know what the ESPN Field Pass is for a game, let me just explain this to you, because it is infuriating. At the top left-hand corner of your screen, you will see the actual game. They mute the crowd to the point where I barely tell that there were fans in attendance. So it really took away the national championship uh, element of the game when you can't really tell. Of course, you have LSU and Clemson, who are two of the rowdiest fan bases in all of college football, and I can barely hear anything because, well, in the right side of your screen is a split, and on the top, you have some nameless jamoke that they have hosting one of their halftime shows, and Pat McAfee, oh god, the most annoying quote-unquote analyst there is in all of sports media. And on the bottom, you have some other nameless Jamoke and Dan Orlovsky. Now, what proceeded to happen in that first half, because believe me, I got through that first half as fast as possible so I could record, and I found the live game, recorded it, so that all I did was watch halftime, and then I could switch over to the live game, and it was much more enjoyable after that. But what I had to endure 
was, and Devin, you're going to absolutely love this. Um, I had to hear um, Pat McAfee refer to Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase separately as just that guy. Yeah, great catch there by that guy. Brilliant. It would have been lovely if you came prepared to figure out who was who. Um, they could not pronounce Clyde Edwards Hilaire properly. Clyde Edwards Ehler was the one that happened the most, and it infuriated me because I am a stickler for details of making sure people's names are said correctly. Um, ooh, 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 ooh. They kept saying uh, for a good portion of the first uh, quarter that uh, Clemson needed to get the ball into the hands of their electric running back, Trevor Etienne. It's Travis Etienne. Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback. Oh, and they screwed that one up, too. Um, at one point, my personal favorite call came from Dan Orlovsky when he said, Joe Burrow rolls out to his left and throws it to running back Trevor Etienne. No, that was Trevor Lawrence throwing it to Travis Etienne. There were a lot of bad jokes. The camera at points cut away from the game to focus on them running up and down the sideline. It was absolutely infuriating to watch. I hated it. I hated the first half as a result. I haven't gone back yet and actually watched the first half in the proper broadcast because I feel like I got robbed by having to watch that absolute clown show. So Devin, as someone who watched the game in its entirety in the proper broadcast, what was I missing? Well, apparently they couldn't... Uh... This is Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase, and who was Justin Jefferson, even on the ESPN broadcast. You know what? It still beats them being referred to as that guy. Yeah, great play by that guy. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, the first half, it was, I mean, like I said, outside of them, like, you know, miss, you know, pronouncing their name, not mispronouncing, but, like, saying the wrong person for the wrong catch. Um, I mean, it was a pretty clean broadcast. I mean... But God, did they like staple home that Trevor Lawrence has never lost in his college football career? <laughs> um, they made sure to drive that point home. Uh, uh, Rennie Ma's son plays for LSU. Her that was mentioned four hundred and twenty-eight times. Um, Joe Burrow's dad put a bet on his son at the beginning of the season. Um, he retired, you know, from his coaching job to you know go to Joe's games his senior year so I heard that a bunch you know heard that narrative a bunch uh heard that Grant Delpit you know this great safety you know didn't mention any negative play about him this year you know he's the Jim Thorpe award winner et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. you know so we'll talk more about the game in a little bit because like I said like we we there's not there's not a ton in terms of news uh, in fact, let's just get to some of the news. I got uh, five points here. So uh, we'll start with a transfer. Raheem Blackshear, the running back from Rutgers, decided to get the hell up out of Dodge, and he's transferred to uh, Virginia Tech. I like this move. He probably wasn't going to get anywhere bigger than that. Virginia Tech's kind of a borderline top 25 team, depending on the year. They're usually one of the top 50. They're they're okay. I mean, he's going to the ACC, which is kind of a joke conference outside of Clemson, but, you know, good for him. Uh, maybe he's going to play wide receiver. You and I have been talking about this for a while. Just make him a wide receiver. I mean, I think he'd be better suited just playing receiver. 
once he gets to Virginia Tech. Um, he, he's just not big enough to, to play running back, especially in the ACC. I mean, they, I mean, you know, playing against Clemson and, you know, I mean, outside Clemson is really not much to say about the ACC, but. Um, this is the same conference that's putting out a, a running back this year in, in the in the draft that is six two and uh, two fifty. Yeah, so I don't I don't really know what much to say. I mean, you know, good for him for leaving Rutgers and hopefully going to a spot where they'll actually use him the correct way. But I don't see him staying that running back at Virginia Tech. I, I fully expect him to be a receiver and. Good luck to him, uh, as this will be the last time we talk about him. Um, kind of sad, but hey, what can you do? Yeah, exactly. All right, the next one I got, I'm kind of going to try to go in, in uh, chronological order with the three declarations of note in the conference. Antoine Winfield Jr. declares, this one was not a surprise to us. It was a surprise to some, but... I think a lot of the national media just saw a redshirt sophomore and went, well, you know, it's not really a guarantee. And when we had Carter Donick on, what, two, three weeks ago? Uh, maybe even a little bit longer than that. Uh, we were saying, like, you know, Antoine Winfield, he's a redshirt sophomore, but he's already done four years of college. All right, he's 22 years old. He's not exactly a, a, a young dude at, as you know in college football. He could have gone back, but there aren't a lot of guys that want to do six years in college. It made a ton of sense. He had a fantastic year. He's going to make a lot of money, probably going to go early in the draft. His testing is going to be key. If he tests the way that he possibly can and the injuries don't affect him, he's going top 50. We'll have to see with medical rechecks and with the... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like the you know his athletic testing. If he bombs those, he's going late. Yeah, but I mean at the same time, it's gonna be like I, I think even if he bombs on the testing, I think he'll still go probably third round. You know, I think he just has that much upside on the field now. Like I I don't expect him to bomb testing, but you know he might. I mean, I'm sure they're going to be people that test better than him, especially at the safety position. But, I mean, just his skills on the field, his ball skills, his, his intellect, uh, everything about his game, you just have to love about it. I mean, he has football acumen in his family. Um, it, it, it'll, it'll just be hard for a team, especially, you know, if he doesn't test well, but you get to that third round section, I think that will be a good value for him, you know, should he bomb testing. But... I expect him to test well, considering, you know, he really doesn't have a whole ton of play, ton of playing time at the college level. Um, I expect him to, with, you know, his father being a former NFL player, I definitely expect him to, to test well and uh, showcase the best ability, ability that he can. Yeah, for sure. Um, then we had Olawole Batiku, the edge rusher from Illinois. When we had Carter on, he hadn't watched him, so I kind of had a feeling that maybe he was going to go back to Illinois. He decided not to. Um, I mean, his first year at Illinois, he was a USC um, commit originally, spent two years there, did like virtually nothing, and then just breaks out at Illinois, I believe was 
third in the conference in sacks and for a while was going sack for sack with Chase Young. Injuries slowed him a little bit, took him out towards the end of the season. Uh, so, I mean, I kind of wish he, uh, you know, finished as strong as he started. But, I mean, strike while the iron's hot. You can never have too many pass rushers. And he kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, Max Crosby from Eastern Michigan, who you got in, like, round four, round five, and made a massive impact for the for the Raiders this year. Yeah, he definitely has the speed and the ability. I mean, just how fast he made an impact Illinois, you know, is something to note. Obviously, you know, with him suffering an uh, ankle sprain and that kind of pretty much derailed his season afterwards, that kind of sucked, especially since he started off so hot and he, he looked like he's going to be a formidable pass rusher, you know, and, you know, could possibly even raise his stock. But um, it kind of sucks, though. Uh, I don't think he's in any of, like, the, these games, these uh, kind of, like, all-star type games. Um, I don't I don't know if he gets a combine um, invite either, but um, I'm hoping that at his pro day he uh, really tests well and catches the eye of some, you know, future NFL teams that they could be picked up by. But he was definitely one of, like, the first guys this year that – no one was really talking about, you know, during the season that really caught my eye. And as soon as I found him, I was, I've been on his hype train system, uh, him and Daley Harding, both of them combined. Um, I've been super high on both of them. But I'm hoping that, you know, by the time he tests, he's fully healthy and he can showcase his talents and uh, that he tests well and that, you know, a team, you know, falls in love with him, you know, fourth, fifth round. That's a, looks like that's probably going to be his probably range maybe even sixth round but uh you gotta love the upside he has uh still has a lot of potential especially in stopping the run and um not getting washed by defenders with double teams i did see you know kind of his last few games that once teams recognize that he can be blocked one-on-one uh they definitely started to double team him he struggled trying to break away from those double teams and um you know still trying to make an impact in the run game as well so those are things you would like to see him improve, but at least when he starts, he can be uh, specifically third down rusher. Uh, we'll see what kind of scheme that he'll fit in, especially at the next level, but I'm excited for his potential for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I have uh, Batiku right now. I'm going to have my board. He is somewhere in the hundreds, but he's like, not too, too... Uh, no, he's 131. I have him right ahead of Josh uh, Uche, which that seems low. But, I mean, at the end of the day, that is still a round four grade, and you can definitely get impact players in round four. This is a really good edge rusher class, and he makes it stronger. He's edge 16, but, like, I think coming into the year, most people had no idea who he is, and he's ahead of guys like Josh Uche, Carter Coughlin, Marlon Davidson, Khalid Kareem... Those are more notable names that he's ahead of on more because he's just that damn good. Yeah, he, he is, like I said, he has a ton of upside. Uh, you would just like to see him stay healthy, but, man, do you got to love uh, his potential. And uh, the last one just came in, honestly, like two hours ago. It's AJ Epineza. We've been waiting on this one for weeks now. I am so glad that he is coming out in this class because I swear, if he went back to school, I would hate this edge rush class all of a sudden. I would absolutely hate it because of the drop-off from Chase Young to the next best one. 
Yeah, that would have been absolutely horrendous. I mean, my God. Then then Yeter Gross Matos, some team is going to really take him <laughs> at, you know, one of those teen spots that I don't think he really fits in. And or we chase might... on go higher? Like, but, yeah, like, yeah. I think it is kind of funny that, you know, for all the hype that the SEC gets for creating these elite pass rushers, my top three edge rushers are all Big Ten guys. I mean, that just speaks to what the Big Ten is um, recruiting these days. You know, they're, they're recruiting some really nice edge rushers. I mean, it's not just the SEC anymore. You know, Big Ten has some really phenomenal pass rushers, especially in this class. Uh, the three of them, like, just their potential. I mean, they could be ranked next season top ten in sacks, you know. That's how good all of them, the, their ceiling can be. You know, it just really is going to come down to scheme and, you know, how they continue to progress. I expect Chase Young to dominate wherever he goes. But, you know, for Epineza and as well as um, Gross Matos, you know, it the sky is the limit for them. So I'm glad Epineza declared. It, s- it seemed like an eternity we were waiting. You know, the same thing with Chuba Hubbard. You know, we were waiting for him forever and as well as Epineza. But Hubbard will be staying but uh, Epineza leaving uh, definitely is a, a big boost to this class, especially when we're seeing a lot of juniors um, like on the fence about, you know, declaring or not. So it, I think it is kind of nice to see a, a bunch of guys that like, you know, it, it seems like in past years, if someone got like, you know, w- was kind of considered by a lot to even be a top 100 player, they were just bolting to the NFL. And this year, are there a lot of declarations? Yeah, I think at last check, we're in the 90s, I, I think. But, like, we've gone from, like, you know, a decade ago, we would get maybe 30, 35, you know, underclassmen declaring. And, like, the Senior Bowl was actually a much bigger deal. Now the Senior Bowl is still a big deal because we have underclassmen who are eligible. We have uh, Jim Nagy getting anyone imaginable to come to the Senior Bowl, and guys are sticking. But, like, for a couple years when we had, like, you know, 90, then the next year, 95, then the next year, 105, then, like, 120. It's like when more than half of the eligible picks are underclassmen, and then you think from 125, there's what, 20? 30, 40 every year that go undrafted, it's nice to see that we're seeing less. So while it does kind of suck, like, you know, we've seen, especially at offensive tackle this year, we've seen a lot of guys go back. And we may still see another one go back because we still haven't heard anything on Tristan Wirtz. So Matt Miller came out and said that he texted someone from Iowa and they don't know. Like, they have no idea what's going to happen with Tristan Wirtz. So it's nice to see... Kids taking a little bit more thought and some unexpected guys going back to school. Dylan Moses, I don't think anyone from Alabama, no one would have thought that he was going to go back. No one would have thought that Najee Harris was going to go back, given that he's already graduated. And I know that those guys are both Alabama, but you get my point. You know, Austin Jackson, the offensive tackle from um, USC. AJ Epineza whipped his ass so bad that he may have just decided to stay in school. But... It, you know, I think I'm like five, and there's still guys nationally that we're waiting on. And the big one is Tristan Wirfs, the right tackle. His teammate already went pro. Uh, sorry, his teammate already went back in Alaric Jackson. Tristan Wirfs was going to be better than Alaric Jackson as a prospect anyways. 
So it's really going to be interesting to see with him. I think that if Tristan Wirfs goes back, this offensive tackle class sucks. Agreed. I mean, outside a, a few of the top guys, I mean, uh, you, you're really looking at not much. I mean, then you're going to see really teams take just the best talent available left. So teams that have tackle issues like the Cardinals and the Browns, uh, you expect them to take, you know, a tackle. But, I mean, if he if worse doesn't declare, I mean, then it's really going to be a domino effect. And it would have been the same thing with Epineza. Like, these guys are, you know, these Big Ten guys are really becoming deciding factors to whether or not who these teams will choose to go after. I mean, granted, we're still waiting on, you know, some of them playing in the Senior Bowl, some of them testing at their pro day and then at the combine. So a lot of things are still pending, but you know, these declarations are starting to matter because they're starting to become the difference between good uh, talent and great talent. You know, uh, I'm telling you right now, if Tristan Wirfs uh, decides to go back to Iowa, uh, that would not. So he's right now off to tackle three for me. There is not another big 10 offensive tackle in my rankings. It, they're just not there. John Runyon, I've kicked into guard. There's just there's nothing from the conference if, if he goes back. There's yeah. nothing. Yeah, it's really tough sledding. You know, should he not declare? So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, still they still have what a couple more weeks left before they have that period where it's cut off pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, the. Underclassman uh, deadline is the 17th, which is Friday. And then they have three days to change their mind, which is Monday. Um, And we will definitely be talking about some of these uh, last-minute declarations that are going to come in. Uh, We'll be doing it a little bit different next week. Uh, We are going to be uh, in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. What we're planning is that in order to kind of minimize some of the audio issues, Devin and I are actually going to be recording in the same room so that only one of us has to bring a microphone. That will be me. Um, Yeah, we're going to be recording together. We'll probably do a week preview on Monday, and then we'll probably do a week wrap-up Thursday after the practices. So you'll get two episodes from us. You may get some guests. We may get Josh Berg from the Whole Nine Sports Draft podcast on. We may get Brandon from or Dylan from the Whole Nine uh, podcast on. We haven't quite figured that out, but you are getting two podcasts from us next week. We may appear on some other podcasts next week. We have no idea. We may get some interviews with some people while we're down there. We will figure this all out next week. Um, but, yeah. Uh, Devin, unless you wanted to talk a little bit more about the Natty, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure you do, let's be honest. <laughs> well, you know, since, since we're, uh, so this is kind of, a, this is not the Natty I'm about to talk about, but, uh, so we have a, all of us guys have here a, a Slack channel at Whole Nine Sports, and, you know, we talk about random stuff, which is why one of our things is called Hashtag Random. Uh, and right now they're talking about Tyler Johnson and his supposed character issues, but they apparently they don't exist. And Matt Miller, you know, 
I love Matt Miller, but he's saying that, you know, he's hearing from teams that he has character issues. Um, so, I don't know if you, so I can't remember whether it was last week, but he did kind of clear this up. It's not that, like, character concerns apparently in terms of, like, oh, he's got an arrest or he's immature. It's more kind of work ethic from what he's heard from scouts. Yeah. Now, again, um, you know, I'm a big Matt Miller guy. Brandon's a big Matt Miller guy. Devin, I know you're a big Matt Miller guy. We we obviously, like, we want to go to bat for both the analyst and the player because obviously I don't want to just be bashing on a player. That's no fun. Yeah. Um, unless that player is Patty Fisher, who I forgot to <laughs> – who I – I'm dead-ass serious – I have nothing against Patty Fisher, but once we stop talking about the declarations, I completely forgot to mention that there are differing reports on whether or not he's declared for the draft. All right, nothing against Patty Fisher in any other capacity other than I legitimately forgot that I wrote him down and I was staring right at the right at the bulletin point on him the entire time and just went, nah, I guess. I just kind of went, nah, not really worth it. But no, what I meant, so that's what I mean by hating on any player but Patty Fisher. I don't actually hate Patty Fisher. Please, Northwestern fans, do not write me a very well-written letter telling me how much you hate me. Because I've gotten that. (laughs) But, I mean, I think it's kind of been twisted and and believe me, I love Matt, but he has not exactly helped himself on this. Uh, But, yeah, I... Don't exactly know what's going on with the whole Tyler Johnson thing. Um, I'm just kind of keeping my opinions on, on... I mean, I just don't think he's a top five wide receiver. I think he's actually like wide receiver 15 for me. Uh, 14. Yeah, wide receiver 14 for me. Like, he's not all that in a bag of chips. Uh, but he's also not terrible. What these character concerns are, I don't know. Is the fact that he wasn't invited to the Senior Bowl a side of things? Probably. Do I really care the big picture? Not really. Yeah, I mean, I think he's just going to end up being one of those guys that, you know, there's so many differing reports about him. But I think once he gets to an NFL team, uh, assuming, you know, it's it's a good situation, I think it'll be fine, you know. I, don't, I, I just think, you know, uh, it's just so hard when you're starting to, like, nitpick, you know, someone's worth work ethic and, you know, who they are when, you know, we don't see them on the field, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I, I just kind of just let their, their evaluation, everything happen, let the teams interview them, you know, when, you know, because I'm pretty sure, I, I'm damn sure he's going to be at the combine. I think he will be. Um just let that process just play out, you know, because like now, I mean, it, it, it just getting kind of redundant now with the, these, you know, you know, just the, I guess, <laughs> differing opinions of, of who he is and who he is as a prospect. I mean, to me, I think he's probably going to go late second, third round and, and just call it a day. I mean, a team is going to find nice value for him and. I think he's going to be a solid NFL receiver, you know, consider as long as he, you know, makes sure he doesn't drop the football. That's my biggest concern about him. He, yeah, he, he just can't really catch sometimes. He, he has some terrible drops, but he has some amazing ass catches sometimes. You're just like, how did he do that? 
So, like, he's, like, the type of athlete. He can make these ridiculous catches, but you just need him to catch the easy ones, pretty much. But I think he'll be fine, you know. Um, there that, are there are there are guys where I'm a lot lower than than the consensus on. I think Colin Johnson is one, the receiver from Texas. I think Keyshawn John, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn for Vanderbilt, the running back, is one of the more overrated prospects in in the entire cl- you know, class. I think Marlon Davidson, the uh, defensive end from Auburn, is horrendously overrated by a lot of the national media. I saw absolutely nothing that impressed me, but anything he did. Uh, if you wanted to even look in conference, I think Raekwon Williams from Michigan State, very overrated. Not very good at all. Um, I think that Patty Fisher is incredibly overrated, and his hype has died down to almost a whimper. But, I mean, these there were people a year or two ago that were saying that he was a potential top 15 pick. Where are those people now? Um... I've never really been a huge fan of Damon Arnett from Ohio State. I think I've seen him as high as, like, 50s on people's boards. I think he's in the 90s for me. Lavert Hill, our guy Josh Engler, who's down at the East-West Shrine game, said that, like, Lavert Hill came in at, like, 5'8 and, like, 180 pounds. You are not playing on the outside at the next level, and you are also not fast enough to play on the inside either. Yeah, he's going to he's gonna start off as a special teams guy, man. Ooh, ooh, here's another one. Ohio State fans seem to love Jordan Fuller. Unfortunately, he's like a day three guy at best. Well, I'm well, sorry. Oh, Jordan Fuller sucks. And I think we should all, as a community, just accept that. Like, Ohio State was stacked this year. Jordan Fuller sucks. And, and we had to watch Brian Lewerke. Yeah. <laughs> and Shea Patterson. We had to watch some terrible football. Tyler Johnson is miles ahead of all of those guys I just mentioned. Yeah, hold on. I'm reading some of this. So th- we were going to discuss this. We were thinking about discussing this with the Penn State allegations. And uh, I'm yeah. re- reading some of it. And it is a lot worse than what I initially read. Um, yeah, this is a pretty bad shit. Hold on. I'll have to... <laughs> uh, I can't read some of these yeah, quotes that yeah. I'm reading, man. I, I can't. I, I can't. I think we're reading the same thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think we are. Uh, Jesus Christ. All right, so to give people a background, uh, there's this former Penn State player that is uh, suing Penn State football as well as James Franklin uh, for hazing allegations essentially um and we won't go into the full details of like what they were doing or like making him do because like it's pretty disturbing um but it's not looking good for penn state right now who actually is in another lawsuit um (laughs) that got filed a couple like a couple months ago of a former team doctor that it was like they basically forced him to clear players earlier so they get back earlier, whatever, um, among other things, and wrongfully fired him. So just when Penn State is kind of clearing the Sandusky era, you know, they got some more issues, uh, which is not good. So this is, this is uh, not good for Penn State right now. Um, so... Who knows what happens from here? Uh, obviously, there the investigation will take months and months to kind of, you know, go on with, and the NCAA will get involved, and then it's going to be it could be a, a huge possible mess. Um, 
So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and uh, that's hopefully the last thing that we have to talk about involving that. Uh, because holy shit, even just talking about that, pardon my language, holy shit, even just talking about that was pretty fucked up. Um, that's going to do it for this week, guys. Uh, we will be touching base with you guys next week. Again, not sure what the plan is going to be. Devin and I are going to be recording together both instances. Probably get one. Uh, the practices for Mobile are Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We will probably record on Monday the way we normally do. Uh, obviously, this week was different because of a national title game. Um, and then we'll probably record again on the Friday as kind of a come down from it. Uh, and then it all kind of goes back to normal for us the following week because uh, Devin, I think you head back to Pennsylvania on the Saturday. I head back to Toronto on the Sunday. Um, and we will try to figure out exactly what, how we're going to handle the offseason with this, uh, because we are kind of, you know, sticking Big Ten focused, draft from a Big Ten focus, and we'll just, we'll have to figure something out. Uh, that's going to do it from us, for Devin and myself. Take it easy, guys.